Do you suffer from truth phobia? Find out on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, coming to you again uh, this week uh, with, I believe, uh, kind of both barrels loaded. (laughs) Some things I just need to get off my chest, you know. Um, But I trust that you had a good Easter weekend. Um, This is kind of what it's all about. You know, Paul in uh, the Bible says that if we don't believe in Christ and Christ resurrected, then we all might as well just go home and call it a day. It's his death and it's his resurrection that our whole whole faith um, hinges upon. And uh, interestingly, this is episode 316. So when we talk about John 3.16, this is what it's all about, you know, for God so loved the world. It was his love for us that he sent his son to save us, that we might have eternal life. And so I just pray that uh, you had a great Easter weekend and hopefully had some time with your family and friends. And and uh, it was it's worth celebrating not just over a weekend, uh, but for every single minute of every day of our lives. I want to uh, start out this episode entitled Truth Phobia. Truth Phobia by just reading you a story. This was written by um, actually Bernie Goldberg in The Hill uh, at the end of 2021. And so I'm just going to read this story to you and then we're going to talk about it. In April, a seven-year-old black girl was shot and killed while sitting in her car with her father at a McDonald's drive-thru in Chicago. A few weeks earlier, a 13-year-old Latino boy was shot and killed by a Chicago police officer. He was running away from the police and was shot just after tossing a gun he had been carrying. Murder in Chicago is hardly breaking news so far this year. The city has logged almost, almost 700 victims of homicide. But this time, a new element was added to the same sad story. This time, the CEO of a major American corporation weighed in. And what made his reactions to the deaths interesting is that he didn't blame the usual suspects, systemic racism and rogue cops. Chris Kempzinski, the president and CEO of McDonald's, sent a text message to the Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot that recently was made public, in which he said that the shootings were tragic, then added with both, the parents failed those kids. No parent wants to be accused of failing a child, but let's take a look at whether Kemsinski was needlessly insensitive or had reason to conclude that both parents failed those kids. The father of the dead girl reportedly had a long criminal record and acknowledged on social media that he knew he was a target for gang retaliation. But that didn't stop him from letting his seven-year-old daughter sit with him in the car. As for the 13-year-old boy who was shot and killed by a police officer, what was he doing with a gun? And why was he running around with a 21-year-old repeat gun offender at 2.30 in the morning? The two had been caught on video shooting randomly at moving cars when someone called the police. Gunpowder residue was found on the boy's hand. So based on the information we knew, it appears McDonald's CEO was onto something. 
that he did nothing more than tell an inconvenient truth. But when his message to the mayor was revealed through a Freedom of Information Act request, a swift backlash occurred. Activist group called the text ignorant, racist, and unacceptable. You relied on lazy, outdated, and racist stereotypes in order to uphold the status quo and avoid accountability for those in power, the group wrote. As the leader of one of the world's largest private employers and most iconic brands, you have a responsibility to do so much better. Perhaps Kemsinski should have seen the backlash coming, but for whatever reason, he didn't. So did he hold firm and stand by his words? Did he say something about whether the dead children's parents had a responsibility to do, to do better? Of course not. Like so many CEOs these days, he apologized over and over again. In a video he sent to his employees, he added, I let you down and I let myself down. Then he met with more than 100 pastors and community leaders from Chicago and across Illinois and apologized again. The Wall Street Journal reported Mr. Kamzinski was stating a plain truth making an observation surely shared by an overwhelming majority of rational adults. But now we live in a post-George Floyd America where simply stating a plain truth has become a risky proposition. Uttering a responsible opinion that is deemed unacceptable by the woke mob can get you smeared as a racist. It can get you canceled, especially if you're talking about members of racial and ethnic minorities. For quite a while now, we've heard serious people say that we need to have an honest conversation about important matters such as race. I used to think that was a good idea. Not anymore. Now we live in a time when too many of us, including too many CEOs of major American corporations, have given in to the activists and have become afraid to tell plain truths. We're afraid the woke mob will come after us. But what happens when we become a nation of people who are afraid to speak plain truths? What happens when it's easier to say nothing than to speak honestly about what we believe? And sooner or later, the American people, the rational ones anyway, will hopefully say, we've had enough of this woke nonsense. For many Americans, that day can't come soon enough. There's a lot of sadness in this story, obviously, the deaths of these two young people. There's a sadness in the fact that this CEO was able to actually, I believe, put his finger on the heart of what is happening in America, which is fatherlessness. You can listen to a prior podcast completely about that, where I lay down overwhelming statistics. And then there's a sadness about how he was silenced and felt like he needed to apologize for a plain, rational truth. And there's also a sadness, I believe, in what Bernie Goldberg was saying at the end of his message because he said, I used to think that having a serious conversation about important matters was a good idea, but not anymore. Well, I would like to say to Bernie that I think honest conversation is still possible and it's not easier to say nothing, not if we think generationally. We have to be the ones who are willing to stand in the place of truth here on this earth. 
And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's easy. I'm not going to sit here to say that I've done it perfectly. Um, but that's part of my podcast. I'm willing to stand and be that voice knowing full well that there may be censorship or cancellation or smears that may even come my way. And some of those things have already happened. But I refuse to believe that we cannot have an honest conversation about real issues. Not if we really believe that we can, again, be a country where we come together and be able to speak and solve serious and real problems. But this topic really came to my heart you know, sometimes it's when we do, when I do these podcasts, I've done, you know, this is, I just said it's 316. This is episode, this is season three, episode 16. I've done well over uh, um, 120 plus episodes. Sometimes it's easier to be honoring than others. <laughs> and this topic is one of those topics. It's hard for me to sit here and try to be honoring with my words because there's so much of this topic that has absolutely flipped over into the realm of the ridiculous and the insane. And so I'm going to do my best to try to present to you the issues that need to be discussed and at the same time try to be honoring. But it really started yesterday when my wife opened her phone and read the headline that the Apple company, Apple, rolled out the pregnant man emoji. The pregnant man emoji. I'm pausing for everybody to sort of gasp and roll their eyes. It's absurd and it's ridiculous. And I'm sorry to quote my wife, but I, I think she said something to the effect of that's the craziest thing she's ever seen. And unless a man can deliver a baby through his penis. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> sorry, honey, to quote you. Of course, I responded, I would never, ever want to try. <laughs> it's biologically impossible and irrational. I read in the previous article by Bernie Goldberg about how Mr. Kempsinski's opinion about how the parents had failed these children would be shared by an overwhelming majority of rational adults. We're talking about being rational the things that are before us that are easily to prove that are truth and facts. I'm sorry, a pregnant man emoji is irrational and it's impossible. And there's objective truth to it. And a man can never deliver a baby, period. It can never and will never happen. I'm trying to speak very plain language. So we cannot have the ability to have human conversation unless we don't unless we have words that actually verify something with an objective metric okay those are a lot of big words that i just said too basically saying words are connected to something i am speaking right now into a microphone in my podcast and the words that i speak are, are conveying information to you because the words that i choose the words that i speak are actually connected to something that is verifiable that is true that is rational so that you can hear me and that you can understand it doesn't mean you have to agree with me it just means that i am communicating something in an english language and each word that i use is actually connected to that. 
So we can't have a human conversation unless the word, if the words are meaningless or disconnected, because then you would have absolutely no idea what I'm saying or what I'm trying to convey to you. So we want, if, if somebody is wanting to be called something, homosexual, bisexual, transsexual, and the list, as you are well aware, goes on and on and on. If they want to be called something that isn't objectively correct, then we are actually disconnecting human language in its entirety. See, a boy man will always be a boy man. That is a biological truth. And so when we call somebody him, his, he, there is a truth that's connected that actually tells our brain what gender we are speaking of. It's an objective truth. There is a biological truth. This boy, man, uh, if he grows up and he dies and he is buried into the ground and 500 years from now an anthropologist digs him up and it's just bones, guess what? That anthropologist can still tell that it's a boy, man. <laughs> There's an objective biological, rational truth connected to gender, period. And so it's interesting when we talk about words, and I'm going to get to this pronoun fiasco that we are dealing with currently. But let me talk about a few other words. Because even at the end of this podcast, I can be accused of being homophobic. We see this term often, and it's what the the woke mob that I just read about would, for instance, come after me and say that I am homophobic. But if you listen to my previous con my previous podcast, you would actually see that I'm not actually afraid of the homosexual LGBT community at all. In fact, I believe that we should engage that community with an incredible amount of compassion as the body of Christ. And I think that we've actually failed in that and can do so much better than that because the word phobia, I'm a medical doctor. I understand that the word phobia is, but here's the definition. It's an extreme or irrational fear to something. So not surprisingly, if I would be accused of being homophobic, it's not the right word. Of course, there's an irony there, isn't there? Not being homophobic. I don't have an irrational fear of them. But they describe homophobia as a dislike or prejudice against gay people. Well, that's a different thing. And once again, I don't dislike them at all. I would submit, and I know this is a powerful thing to say, and I'm trying to be honoring, but I would submit that those that bow a knee and become irrational and actually and actually are, are, are following along in this woke mentality without and disengaging their brain from a rational thought because they are afraid of what repercussions would happen to them from the woke media, from the woke mob, are actually being homophobic in the true definition of the word. They are afraid of the homosexual community. They are afraid of the LGBT community. And because of the fear of the repercussions of being rational and describing what is true in our society, they actually back down and go along with what is happening. 
That is actually homophobic in the true definition of the word. Afraid and irrational fear of a group of people that if you go against them, you're going to get a backlash. You're going to get repercussions. And so you become afraid and it changes the way that you behave. I looked up the definition of woke. I've done a podcast on woke. I think it's called Woke Up and Smell the Coffee. <laughs> I'd like you to go back and listen to that again. And, and, and one initial definition of being woke is just being alert to injustice. I don't think that in and of itself is such a bad thing. But here's the, another definition that I found of woke that's being used more actively today. It's used primarily to mean being aware of issues in a community. And listen to this. Real or imagined. <laughs> what is going on? Real or imagined? An imagined issue in a community? My friends, that's called irrational. <laughs> it's not real. It's an irrational fear. It's called being phobic. So pronouns, when we use it in context of an English language, him, her, his, hers, they, them, etc., they're designed to describe an objective truth. It's part of language. It's not to describe subjective feelings. Ah, there's that word again. Feelings. My friends, I believe it is at the center point of this discussion in our society and culture today when we deal with some of these woke issues that are before us. It's because we are a feeling-driven society. And since when do feelings get to rule the day? Irrational fear is the byproduct of when feelings rule facts. When feelings rule facts. And those that are supporting this nonsense and are being homophobic in the real sense of the word, they have an irrational fear. They actually go against their sensibilities because they are afraid. So pronouns, this, this movement of this list of, of 50 to 100 different pronouns that could be used in our society is used literally to create confusion. And my friends, let's have our eyes opened. Confusion is the point. None of their words even make sense. No objective sense, no rational sense. And so enters the, the, the frustration, the anger, when all of a sudden now, this is directed and pointed towards our children. I don't think anybody listening at the sound of my voice would argue the fact that kids are easily confused. They're malleable. They're shapeable. And my friends, confusion is the point. There is a sinister plan pointed at your children, and I am talking about second grade. I have, I have headlines about second grade children, seven and eight-year-olds, being targeted and discussing sexual orientation. My friends, the biggest decision a seven or eight-year-old needs to make is the flavor of Blizzard they're going to order from Dairy Queen. 
they cannot know they they aren't they aren't hormonally able to talk about sexual attraction or sexuality it's irrational and it's unconscionable but people are so homophobic that they are willing to confuse and manipulate our children they are willing to go there because they are so afraid of what would happen if they didn't a girl can become a boy can a girl become a boy can we say to our children a girl can become a boy my friends let me be very clear that is a lie it's an untruth and lies and untruths perpetuated to our children are never okay it's damaging to their psyche and it makes perfect sense I will be coming with another podcast about the atrocity of sex change surgery and hormonal manipulation. It's, it's an abomination. I, I can't even believe it. But let's focus just on the lie that's perpetuated to our children at this podcast. And it's by such a small percentage of the population that they are willing to look our children in the eye and say, a girl can become a boy. It's not true. It can never be true. It will never be true. <laughs> they have created such a charade and a spirit of confusion and are looking for those who will object so that they can identify, interesting use of words, if you are to be ostracized, canceled, censored, or labeled. Also an interesting word. <laughs> you can be labeled a homophobic, a racist, any other words that they can come up with to identify and label you, which is what they are actually trying to be proponents against. It's so interesting, isn't it? There's a man named Ben Shapiro, and maybe many of you have listened to him. I, I believe that sometimes he is not very honoring. And so ironically, and I would say this to him, he actually reduces his audience to only those who agree with him, which I think is unfortunate. I happen to be one who does agree with him. I just wish that he would be able to do it in an honoring way so that he'd be able to pull the other side in and have a real discussion. But I listened to him about this subject and, and he says, you know, personally, if someone came to him and he was having a one-on-one -on -one conversation and they said, I wish to be identified as him, her, them, he, whatever, he said he'll honor that request because it doesn't create confusion in a conversation one-on-one. -on -one. But he actually refuses to, to bow a knee to the, the call of pronouns in public discourse because we don't have to be intimidated or coerced into perpetuating lies or creating confusion in our language. My friends, we don't have to go along with the woke mentality. We don't have to. We can actually use our rational brain and we can speak truth. He says he refuses to sacrifice truth, this is a quote, on the altar of being kind. He refuses to sacrifice truth on the altar of being kind. In fact, he accuses many of us in the conservative realm or even in the Christian realm of always trying to be kind. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So we just simply go along with it. But we're actually hurting them. We're hurting society. We're hurting culture. We're hurting our children for sure if we sacrifice truth on the altar of being kind. And I wish I could say that to the McDonald's CEO. 
that he was absolutely onto something. And if he felt that way and he was able to, to, to prophetically and, and through the spirit put his finger on something that is really the root issue here, which I happen to agree with him, then he ought not back down. But because of his position, he could actually stand in that place of authority and actually speak life and truth in honor to those that are trying to create confusion, that are trying to label trying to identify those so that they can be ostracized. This is what happened with him. There's so much more that needs to be discussed and will be discussed, but we have to discuss this so that we know how to discuss this. Or else we will just be one of those that bow their knee and go along with it and not make waves. But we have to think generationally. We have to do this for our children. We have to be able to build a platform upon truth and rationality so that we can actually have a society that grows and prospers, that our children can be, can be secure and safe. We cannot be truth-phobic. An irrational fear of speaking the truth, especially in public places. Our country was founded on the heart and the desire to speak truth in public places. We have the right. We have the First Amendment right to speak and to speak our mind. And we can do it with love, and we can do it with honor, and we can do it together. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture. <laughs>